We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You knew it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! How good you guys! And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Bears. Golden Blogs, Golden Bears, Golden Bears, Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. We are back here. Uh, we are recording from a un, unspecified location, somewhere new, somewhere near new today, uh, because Andy is immobilized. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's hurting. He's hurting real bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are here. Uh, it is, it is officially since we are recording on Sunday. It is officially game week. Hooray. It is officially game week for Cal football. We That's are back. Hard to believe. It's it's crazy how fast that went. Actually, did it feel fast? Sometimes it felt slow. Yeah. But, but for the most part, it feels pretty quick. Like, it's hard to believe that both NFL preseason and then the start of college football is, is up on us. Yeah. I mean, I'm drafting for my fantasy football league tomorrow. You're insane. And Why would you ever draft so early? It's it's not my fault. It's because everyone in the draft or in our league is like going on vacations and stuff right before like it starts. So this is the tomorrow is the last day that everyone is available to oh my draft. Yes. So now we're gonna draft, and then I'm gonna pray to God that none of my draft picks get injured within the next three weeks. Dude, I mean, like that has happened to me so many times. Whether it was like Vic in '04 or like Roddy White when he was hurt like a couple years ago, and like the ankle injury just nagged on. Peterson three two years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a risk. <sighs> we're drafting the day before the, the season, season starts. Th- See that's had, that has its pros and cons. I think if you draft that late, you'll know like the guys that are injured. You, you know the depth chart for most teams will be pretty much outlined by then. But then at the same time, it takes away a little bit from like the haha you pick bad like before the season begins. Um, like I was, I was thinking maybe I would draft Dion Lewis, and this is a sidetrack. But then Dion Lewis just today apparently tore uh, like a knee ligament. Wow. So. He's going to be back not earlier this season, but probably mid-season. He's so going to look like, like me. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be brace buddies. <laughs> By the way, uh, in some NFL news, um, Bryce Treggs apparently has torn his meniscus. Uh, oh no! Does not need surgery, thankfully. 
Um, surgery is not necessary, but he will uh, be sidelined uh, for the foreseeable future. But at the same time, that also means he will be on the Niners roster uh, come a couple of weeks into the season. I really think he makes that roster. I, what really? Yeah, I just don't think I don't. I just don't see the. So if he's hurt, you can't drop him if a player gets injured on while on your roster. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. So it's a protection against players, and then, the, yeah, I mean it, it makes sense. So right? they put him on the IR. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes off. He comes off, and if they want to, if, yeah, if they want to drop him, they can drop him. Um, yeah. But either way, you're still on the payroll. So it just it just guarantees that you know the guys who get cut like just because they're injured, they won't be you know without a paycheck having to pay their medical bills for whatever injuries. And are they contract employees at that point? I think they are. Yeah, it's really like a, interesting. It's like a temporary, like month, like a like a temp job, type, like a month to month type. A really well paid. Temp <laughs> job. <laughs> really well paid temp job. I think anyone would want, any of us would want that temp job. You know. So yeah, that's some unfortunate news. Uh, but he did tweet out that you know he's going to come back stronger than ever. Yeah. It's we bright. can hang out in the handicap section of the Cal games. <laughs> the <laughs> AA section. <laughs> oh man. Yep. All right, let's get to it. Uh, we got a couple things to get through. I think it's, this actually might be a pretty short podcast, but we got still a lot of hefty stuff. Uh, the Cal football pre- uh, preseason death chart was released earlier this week, um, and, and he's, you know, if you've been keeping it up with us, uh, Avi had a great article about who he thought would start, and then literally seven hours later, this <laughs> this comes out. Uh, so, you know, we'll read through some of the the little highlights. I think the big the big thing was that Simisi Uluave has dropped to third on the right guard list. That's also because he had been dealing with some knocks uh, throughout camp. Um, he hasn't been fully, fully fit. So Dwayne Wallace starts at right guard. Jer- are, you, are you talking about like knocks, like knocks against them from the coaching staff or injuries? Injuries. I'm talking okay. injuries. I'm talking just like little, little nicks. You know, like uh, you know, like a maybe his hamstring was a little feeling a little tight. Gotcha. Just little things like that, and okay. it just he just needed to get over it. Uh, to Jeremiah Stuckey is, uh, I found out that's how you say his name. It's not Stuckey, it's Stuckey. It's Jeremiah Stuckey. Um, that's good knowledge right there. Yeah, uh, he's listed as the number two right guard. He's also listed as the number two left guard. Uh, what that means is they've said it all throughout this camp or over the last couple of weeks that uh, Stuckey is going to be like the utility guard. So he's going he's gonna to sub in left and right and just make sure there's guys fresh on the interior. So we won't be going the same five every single snap. Granted, you might want that continuity, but at the same time, it's going to keep our guys fresh and less tired as the game goes on and as the season goes on. Um, some of the other notable ones, um, I can't really think of any notable ones other than the defense on the defensive end. Uh, Noah Westerfield was uh, he was penciled in as the number one, but it's actually Cameron Saffel now who has leapfrogged him. Uh, Cameron Saffel. Ooh, oh, yeah, well, oh. I was going to say, one of your favorites. Yeah, I mean, the other day, the other day at camp, uh, this is a note on Cameron Saffel. At camp, he's on. He's lined up on the left side. He, uh, he speed rushes off the edge, but doesn't get to the quarterback in time. But the quarterback throws in his direction. He literally jumps like, like, a, like you know those NFL combine drills where it's like the, the high jump where you stand and you jump up and you try to touch the thing? That's what he did. He literally just jumped straight up with one hand and tipped it. 
just tipped the ball perfectly and just enough that it landed, you know, just short of the wide receiver. But the instincts, right, to to realize that he's throwing in your direction and just to stop what you're doing, just give yourself like a jump stop and then just jump straight up and tip that ball in the air. I mean, granted, it landed a little bit short of the wide receiver, but if, if you can con- consistently tip the ball every once in a while, then someone's going to get to it. Like our linebackers and our DBs are fast enough that someone's going to dive for those balls and, and make it happen. So I'm... I mean, the, the guys that are there, uh, myself, uh, Rivals, and Gorsi from Scout, we all said, we're so excited to see what Saffle has this year, but we're more excited to see what Saffle is going to be like come next year, come one more year. So it's a guy, the number 51 on defense, it's a guy to keep an eye on. That's awesome. Definitely. Um, some of the other notables is, uh, so we, we play a 4-3 defense, but our Sam uh, linebacker position has just... I see a Tonga Lava. That's it. There's no one else underneath, which pretty much means we're not going to be playing a base 4-3 quite a lot. We're going to be playing a nickel quite often just because the Pac-12 is such a pass-heavy league um, and with a lot of wide receivers that we're going to be playing against. We're that's gonna... where we have our depth, too. Exactly. So, um, yeah, at the nickel, Cameron Walker is the starter with Trey Turner, and then Travion Beck is the third. That's incredible. Travion has worked his way up. He's been a revelation over the last week. Yeah, you've been talking about him a lot. Uh-huh. He has been – he uh, – uh, Mark Towson, who is the uh, the Rivals um, editor uh, up until a couple months ago, he said the light has come on for Trey. It just – it's it's clicking now. And so we'll, he's going to see the field. That's not a question. Um, and then, of course, the shock for most of us uh, when we received this was – Marlon Franklin is the starting uh, cornerback up opposite of Darius Hounsworth. Everyone thought it was going to be um, Antoine Albert. Uh, but Antoine Albert drops to third uh, behind Darius Hounsworth and Ashton Davis. And yeah, on the other side, that's it's... That's crazy. That's the biggest surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Franklin is the starter. And then uh, Nokocha, who is a walk-on, is the, is the second... Uh, on the other side. So. Marlon Sean comes as a junior college transfer, right? Yep, yep, yep. He, if you have, if if you have VC on the offensive side who brings that fire and that edge and that little bit of, like, a meanness to the game, Marlon Sean is that for the defense. He, he has a bit of a mean streak in him. Um, a couple of scuffles have broken out throughout camp. Yeah. Um, just because at this point in camp, they're just sick of hitting each other. Like, they want to hit someone else. <laughs> Like, as bad as that sounds, you know, if you're constantly going up against teammates and, uh, you know, emotions are and are flying and you're getting more anxious because it's coming towards game week, you're just – some emotions are going to start to fly. But Marlon definitely you can see that fire in him, uh, and he's a competitor. That's without a doubt. So, yeah, I mean, he worked his way, um, and he's there. He is he is the other CB opposite of Darius South as a starter. And then our two safeties, Kyrie Vanderbilt, Nevin Rambo. You know, the safety spot is one that we've always been uh, questioning in terms of our depth. I'm not worried about our depth at all anymore. Um, the one through three on, on either safety spot, I think, is, is pretty good. It's pretty Jay, sound. Yeah, Jalen. Yeah, Jalen Hawkins is the third underneath Rubenzer and Rambo. And then uh, under Vanderbilt, it's Malik Soms and Jacob Anderson. Does uh, Jalen, Jalen have the best hands of anyone in the secondary? Uh, 
I don't know. That's that's questionable because Darius Allensworth leads the team in picks through camp. He has oh, yeah. six. Yeah, Allensworth is amazing. Um, so he was amazing last year. Yeah, Hawkins I think might be the fastest. I think he just pure athleticism speed wise. Hawkins is without a doubt I think the the fastest guy in that secondary. Um, although some of the secondary guys might have something else to say, but um, that's just my take on it. Um, and other than that, you know, place kicker, it'll be Matt Anderson. Um, punting, it'll be Dylan Klumpf. Klumpf. I love saying that name. It's, I don't know why. Um, and then, of course, uh, pun returning, uh, Vic Wharton, Bug Rivera, Melchie Stovall. Um, you know, it only lists three, but I'm assuming Demetrius will kind of play his way into that, too. I think they'll rotate enough uh, to give some guys some shots. And then kickoff return or kickoffs is uh, Trey Watson, Calvani, Muhammad, Melky Stovall, Bug Rivera. I think you add Vic Warden and uh, Demetrius in there too. I think it's just it's just their rotating guys seeing who might be the best fit. But they just listed four. Um, you know, and the big question is everyone's asking about our wide receiver spots and maybe the backup quarterback. Uh, it's you know what at this point I think it's Ross Bowers who takes that backup quarterback spot. He's been playing outstanding over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Davis Webb has some high praise for him. He said he's the uh, most improved quarterback uh, over the last couple of weeks. And then, of course, the wide receiver spots uh, at the X, it's either Brandon Singleton, Demetrius Robertson, or Patrick Worstel. That's a that's like a log jam, like a literal log jam of really good wide receivers. And then at the H, you have Raymond Hudson or Jordan Vesey as the starter, and then Duncan and Laris behind him. At the Y, you have Milky Stovall, who is the surefire starter um, with Bug Rivera or kind of Ainoa as the backup. Uh, and then at the Z, you have Chet Hansen, then Vic Warren, and then Drew Kobayashi. And then, of course, uh, at running back, you have Trey Watson, Vic and Weary, or Kalfani Muhammad. All three are ors, so there's no set starter. But the, the surprise out of the backfield is that Patrick Glaird is now the fourth running back. He leapfrogged. Billy McCrary. Uh-huh. He leafrocked Billy McCrary, and he leafrocked Zion Eccles. Um, so the two freshman uh, running backs are at the bottom of the depth chart now. But, I mean, you'll be seeing them sooner than later. Do you think that's because they're going to redshirt? I think that's a very good possibility. Um, looking at Just looking at your, your running back core, you have two juniors, a senior, two sophomores, a junior, and two freshmen. <laughs> the depth is unnecessary to, to use up. A freshman's uh, what's it four-year eligibility right now. I mean, he's not going to play this year anyways, so why have him suit up, redshirt him, and just onwards and upwards. So is Cochran out for the game, or like is that why the only reason why there's an or there with Patrick McCarry? Yes, uh, Cochran uh, apparently uh, just slightly tweaked his knee. It's not like a severe injury. It's he's working his way back. I mean, he was on crutches when I saw him right after the injury now he's off crutches he's walking like he's 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 uh doing the the weight shed or the sleigh the weight sleigh um and then the bike on the sidelines and stuff so it's just he's returning back but i just don't think they need to rush him back i think that the coaching staff definitely feels that with the depth that we have on the o-line um which is really good really really good you don't need to rush him back and probably make it a more severe injury if you don't need it to be so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Did you expect VC to be ahead of Robertson? Or is it, there, oh, they're 
they're at different yeah. positions now. So oh, yeah, VC's my, my at the age. Um, ahead of uh, Jordan Duncan. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, that, that H spot and the X spot, right, um, is one of those where it might list a starter, it might list a second guy, but that doesn't mean that none of these guys aren't going to see snaps. Um, it's they're all going to see snaps. It's a matter of the number of snaps they're going to see. But if if they take their snaps and they take op- advantage of that opportunity, that you know that only means that they're going to get more snaps. You're gonna they're going to play themselves into a coaching headache of who do I want in, and that's a, a great headache to have. So personally, um, yeah, I'm uh, I like VC's size at the H spot. Uh, but Jordan Duncan definitely has the better hands. Um, I have yet to see him not get a hand on any catch thrown his way. Other other than like the balls that are like way overthrown or like way underthrown, if it's anywhere in his vi- vi- vicinity, he will at least get a hand on it, which gives him the ability to at least like try to tip it to himself or make the catch. And that's incredible. Like it's it's crazy to watch him just like get a fingertip or like get like a palm on it it's i don't know how he does it it's just there's there was a there was a pass uh, i think on tuesday he's running it down and out uh from the left left hash and i think he just knew when the quarterback i think it was davis webb i think he knew when davis was going to throw it to him so he just puts his hand up in the air like his right hand up in the air and it he got a hand on the ball like he didn't, he wasn't looking at Davis Webb. He didn't look over his shoulder to see where the ball was. He's was playing the the DB. He got a hand up and he got a hand on the ball. Like he just, it's. I think it's second nature to him to know where the ball is and how to get a hand on it. So, I'm excited to see how he develops. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me amongst all these is just how young we are. Yeah. I mean, outside of the offensive line, it just seems like there's sophomores and freshmen everywhere. And that's even, you know. And even the offensive line, too. Like, Cochran's a junior. McCarry's a sophomore. Barreo and Stuckey are the only seniors. Um, and then at center, it's like Addison Ooms, who's a sophomore. Granado, who's the senior. Ryan Gibson, who's the freshman. Uh, right guard, Dwayne Wallace, is a junior. Uh, Stuckey, again, is senior. Simisi is a sophomore. Right tackle, Stephen Moore's a senior. Cameron Bennett's a sophomore. Jake Curran is a freshman. By the way, Jake Curran is going to be a monster right tackle um, in a in a year or two, um, so that's one to look out for. But regardless, you look at that. That's how many seniors do we list? Like three yeah. out of out of that entire depth. That's and we're and we're still saying that our depth is good and we're we're a, a good offensive line. That's great. That's great news for whoever becomes our quarterback next year. All right. All right. Last question: How did uh, Victor Viramontes look in camp? You know, he looks good. Um, I really think um, he has the ability to become a really, really good quarterback. The question is, I mean, he's he's been working as the scout team QB. So I'm I'm looking at it going, you're, he's, he's going to get redshirted. I just, you're not going to have five quarterbacks active on the roster. <laughs> yeah. So if they, if they redshirt him, I think the development for him is... I don't know. The, the sky's the limit, um, personally, from what I from what I've seen. I think you look at the way we're attracting quarterbacks. We're going the more dual threat route now, 
And I'm not saying like a dual threat, like a 50-50. I'm thinking more of a dual threat of like a 60-40 or like a 70-30. They're, they're more pass than they are run, but they can run if need be. Um, and Gilliam's in that mold too, um, and Victor is. Uh, Ryan Gorsey, when we were at camp, said it best. The two guys are amazing, both. Um, I think um, between Gilliam and Victor, here's the differences. I think Gilliam is the more accurate passer. Victor has the stronger arm. Running-wise, Gilliam's faster, but Victor is going to go through people. And, you know, we were talking about... It's true thunder and lightning. Yeah. We were talking about okay, if there's a first down marker about five yards out and he has to scramble, right? Gilliam is going to go and, you know, uh, juke his way past like two defenders and get to the sideline and just reach that first down marker. Victor is going to roll out and then he's going to plow through that that uh, CB that's coming at him. And then he's going to plow through the safety that's coming at him. And then he's going to get go down because of the linebacker when he gets to the first down marker. Like that's that's how we envision it. And, you know, being what is his what is his uh, measurables? Six one two forty. He's going to run some people over. So, I mean, I watched I think, like the most interesting thing for me was Spav- like Spavadol was saying that. He believes that this offense is built for a dual-threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was what he was looking for yeah. out of the quarterbacks who was the one. And this was before we had Davis Webb. Yeah. I think this was like a spring interview he gave. Yeah. And he said that he was looking for the one that was going to have the ability to move on the ground as well as pass through the air. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the long-term goal, right? It just so happened that the last two quarterbacks we have are are really good throwing quarterbacks. Um, but Does Davis Webb have any speed? No. No, but I will say he's a little bit faster than Jared. Wait, none? Yeah, he's not a runner. He's not. He's absolutely not. But <laughs> it is. It is a firm no. Yeah, it's that a firm no. Like no, no. There's no hesitation there. It's a firm no. Um, Jared was more mobile than people gave him credit for. Yeah, yeah, you know but I mean? he wasn't a Mariota. Yeah, right. right? He not. wasn't a Winston. Like he wasn't. <laughs> he's yeah. not a Deshaun Watson. Like he's not one of those types of molds. But he is, he is pretty athletic. I mean, you know, everyone remembers the Washington State run or the, the, the Washington. Washington run, yeah. you know, last year. So That was awesome. Yeah, I think long-term you want a dual-threat quarterback at the quarterback spot. It's, you know, it, it has – if you're a fan who's watched enough Cal games and watched this offense develop over the last couple of years, you're kind of salivating at the, the notion that, hey, when we run zone read handoffs and then we pull and then we run or we throw to the bubble screen or we throw a long ball out of that, that pistol set, then now defenses have to stay honest about every single player versus, you know, last year when we ran those zone reads with Jared and then we threw the bubble or we threw the long ball, like everyone knew. They're not Jared's not gonna run. Like if he pulls it from the receiver or from the running back, he's throwing it. Um but now if we have that additional threat, oh that's gonna be scary. It's gonna be scary. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the future holds with Spav. Alright, one more question. Yes. How about the uh turnovers how are we doing in regards to protecting the football? Oh see that that's that's key, right? Um, here's here's two here's both sides of it. On the defensive side of it, you know, uh, D- Darius Allensworth had six picks throughout camp. Trey Turner or uh, what's it? Um, Travion Beck okay. had four, uh, and then some of the other guys had some. Luke had a couple, right? Luke had a couple. Luke had a pick six too. Uh, Ray Ray Davison had a couple. 
Uh, I think he had one of them was a pick six as well. Um, so if we're if we're getting the ball back from this offense that we have, that's good good for us. But at the same time, if our offense is giving up interceptions like that, oh, it's it's a reason for concern. Um, but the the key the key is is at least on the defensive side is can we generate enough of a pass rush to get the ball back? That's I think still up in the air. That's still to, to be determined. I think the Hawaii game and then the San Diego State game is going to be a really 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 good benchmark for us. Um, just because Hawaii and we'll talk about Hawaii in a little bit because we're probably going to see them run and throw quite a bit versus San Diego. We're going to see them run quite a bit. Um, and if our D line can hold, then I think the back seven has enough ability to hold guys down. Um, I saw that a bunch of times this camp where, you know, they did a bunch of uh, seven on seven drills, you know, with the quarterback, the running back and the wide receivers versus the linebackers and the DBs. The DBs held the offense. Um, the, the coaches, you know, would blow the whistle and they would call it a coverage sack because they, they, pl- they played their man. They played the routes perfectly. Davis didn't have anywhere to throw, and Davis was frustrated. You know, he would, he would just, he just, you know, spike the ball just because he was, he had nowhere to throw to. Um, so if the defense can hold like that, that's fine. But of course, defense isn't played by just seven, right? You have another four in front of you that have to play. So that's the big thing: is how well can the pass rush get there for us to maybe create some pressure to maybe create some turnovers on the offensive side. You know, we're going to give up some balls. That's just, it's just guaranteed with the young wide receivers that we have. The talent's there. That's not the question. But it's the experience of, like, you know, it's it's the freshman and the sophomore, just the little things, right, where you get the ball in your hands, you want to go for that extra yard instead of going around. When going to ground would have been the right answer because if you go for that extra yard, that gives the defense a shot at punching the ball out, dislodging it, or, you know, some... If you're trying to go for the spectacular catch, the DB has a shot at you know at a pass breakup or an interception. Um, you don't go for the solid two hand catch and just go to ground. So it's gonna be. Uh, some people are gonna get frustrated by that, but it's also part of the growing pains, right? If you have this much talented guys, they're gonna learn from these mistakes. So yeah, if I can't give any like for sure. This is how many interceptions we're giving up. This is how many interceptions we're going to have. We're going to have a greater turnover margin. Um, but I th- was it Burns? I think it was Coach Burns that said um, they're, they want three. They said, he said, uh, I think it was Burns who said this, that three interceptions or three turnovers um, is the number we aim for every game. He said three will get you the best shot at winning the game. Um, and that's what they're aiming for. Hmm. And there were scrimmages where he got two, where he got three, where he got four, and then we got one. And he's like, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not consistently there yet. But three is the number. So as, if that's the benchmark, I think that's what everyone should be watching the game with. Can we get three interceptions or three turnovers? And can we capitalize off those turnovers? So last year, Tony Franklin said that if Jared had a touchdown-interception ratio – of what I think it was ten to one or seven to one maybe that we would go we would go to the national championship game yeah yeah is there any level of focus on on that now or is it different is there a different focus with the new offensive coordinator 
I think the the difference with the new offense coordinator with Spav is he just wants the the everyone to be good. Um, I didn't really. I've never really talked to Tony Franklin, um, so I don't know. You know, other than that quote, and I've seen that interview. Um, I don't know what his demeanor was about the offense and how he felt and how he wanted this offense to run. Whether it was Jared, 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 or was it everyone? You know. So, but with Spav, it definitely looks like he just wants. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter, you know, how long you've been with the program. Like it's if you're if you're good and you're playing and you're capitalizing on the moments I give you, you're playing. Like that's the mentality he's going with. He's going with the eleven on offense in overtime. You know, with one play to go, the eleven that's out there is the eleven guys that he thinks are the best suited to run the offense. It doesn't matter about like it. You know, for all we know, at the end, it could be Justin Dunn, Matt Laris, uh, Logan Gamble, and Jack Austin. That could be the wide receiver lineup we put out if if that's what happens. Um, so that's his that that's the kind of mentality of he he's giving opportunities to everyone. He's kind of a open door. Like uh, if if you want to come in talk to me about the offense, yeah, let's talk. If we if if I give you two snaps and you take both of those snaps into fifty yard touchdowns. All right, we'll give you some more snaps. We'll see what you can do. Um, and that's that's clearly what he's done. I mean, I saw a little interaction between Melchise Stovall and Jake Spavital um, yesterday. Or no, two days ago or three days ago. Um, and Stovall's leaving. He grabs coach. He's like, I'm ready. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. I got you. If you're ready, you're ready. And he's like, I'm just ready to play coach. Um, and they had that little interaction. <laughs> I heard it. And I was like, if that's the interaction you're having with your offensive players, that's a good that's a good relationship to build. Right. And if it's uh, very comfortable, like you're not stressing over how many snaps you're getting, you know, it's it's all based upon how you play every time you're on the field. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Off from the depth chart. Oh, the team. We are on to Hawaii. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So the football team left for Hawaii yesterday. So we're recording on Sunday. So they Australia. left oh, Australia. Sorry. Jeez. They left for Australia. I wish we were going to Hawaii. We could all plan a trip. This is really, it's really weird. It's really weird. Because if you don't know, I think most people know this, is if you play Hawaii and you're not in their conference, you're able to schedule like a plus one game. Does that make sense? So you don't have to do a home and home? What do you mean? So in your schedule, right? Yeah. You play 12 teams in a season. Yeah. If you're a non-conference team playing against Hawaii or you like go to Hawaii, the NCAA allows you to, to book one more game. So you have 13 games. Oh. Uh, we decided not to. We, they decided that uh, they wanted to take one more week, like as a break. So that's why we play Hawaii on Friday, and then we have a two-week break before we go down to San Diego State. Smart. So which is fine by me. Um, but regardless, it's weird that we're playing Hawaii in Sydney, Australia, um, for the kickoff of college football 2016 oh it's awesome though we got to show up yeah yeah the platform is it's an amazing opportunity on espn uh so we'll go over this uh so cal versus hawaii it happens on espn or espn2 they still have not announced it uh it'll be 7 p.m pacific time on friday so it's i believe it's an 11 a.m kickoff in sydney um and cal is the 23 point favorites for this game that's that's by more than three touchdowns. So I don't know if you're a betting man or if you're listening to this and you're a betting man, but that's the spread. It's 23 points currently. 
So you know what? Let's let's go over some uh, some stuff for Hawaii. Right? They uh, from last season, they were 99th in the NCAA at 192.4 yards passing. They were 116th in the country in rushing with 123.9 yards. They were 99th in the country for points for. They averaged 24.7 points per game. And points against was 105th. They uh, gave up 35.6 points per game. Damn, they were terrible. Yeah. This team uh, has a new head coach. Um, I don't remember his name. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Nikola. It's their old quarterback. Roderick. No. Nikolovich? Nikolovich. Uh, Nikolovich? <laughs> Rolovich. Rolovich. Yeah. Rolovich. Nicholas Rolovich? Nicholas Rolovich? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have been so much more prepped for this. But uh, he was uh, the offensive coordinator in Nevada when Colin Kaepernick was there. And we remember how that played out. Uh, he was most recently the head coach at Community College of San Francisco. And so now he is the new head coach of Hawaii. We have no idea what type of offense Hawaii is going to run out. We have no idea what type of defense Hawaii is going to run out. There's just absolutely no tape or anything on this guy. Um, so the defensive coordinator was the one who was under June Jones for a while. Okay. And was the D-line coach at Boston College. And forget what defense he was going to bring. Um, it seems like they actually upgraded. Yeah. The only problem is they don't have that many uh, Nick Rolovich. Nick Rolovich, that's what it was. All right. So we were half 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 now. We're close. Yeah. Uh <laughs> he they didn't have much uh recruiting success. Uh, but you know, uh let me just run you through some of the some of the stats. Uh, their starting quarterback which they just named earlier this week is uh Ikaika Woolsey. Woolsey, Woolsey. Right? So he was the backup to Max Wittick last season. He had uh, 73 completions on 149 attempts. 908 yards passing, 49% per, uh, completion percentage, uh, 6.09 yards per attempt. He had five touchdowns, six interceptions. Also ran 47 times for 84 yards and two touchdowns. So he is now the starter. Hawaii returns all three of their top rushers and all three of their top wideouts. So their top three rushers are Harris, Davis, and Lakaka. Harris had 197 carries for 1,132 yards last season and six touchdowns. Davis had 59 carries for 218 and six touchdowns. Lakaka had 48 um, carries for 187 and zero touchdowns. Receivers-wise, uh, they also bring back their top three, Kemp, Stubblefield, and Collie. Kemp had 36 receptions for 563 yards and two touchdowns. Stubblefield, 30 catches, 351 yards, four touchdowns. Collie, 29 receptions, 342 yards, and one touchdown. So you have, and they're mostly all seniors. I think there's a couple sophomores in there. Um, so you have a lot of experience. And if they run the same pseudo-offense that we saw Kaepernick run at Nevada, it could provide fits for our defense. They're running the pistol? Yeah, if they do. Because hmm. he was the offensive coordinator at Nevada. So that's what I'm assuming, right, is... He'll kind of carry the same type of mentality. We lost that game. We did Nevada. lost. We did lose that game. But of course, I'm not saying uh, Woolsey is another Colin Kaepernick at the college level. Um, but I mean, the the key of that game was that our linebackers were not athletic enough. We just could not keep up with the zone reads um, and and recovering uh, to make the tackles. But I don't know our our defense our defensive backs our linebackers have definitely got more athletic since last season. The only question is, 
is it on par to play against those types of offenses versus is it just that we think they got more athletic? Um, and that's a key point for me is can we hold that run game? Because they they have a 1,000-yard rusher. So, you know, it's still you still got to look at that. Yeah, it's nothing to, nothing to laugh at. Yeah. All right, Andy. For this game, let's go over some uh, some little things about the game. What do you expect to see in this game? Is there anything you expect to happen or to see? Well, I'm a little scared <laughs> because of what happened against the basketball team. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at Hawaii 1 being in the Mountain West and the way we played San Diego State last year, and San, San Diego State won the conference last year, and um, your excitement coming out of camp gives me a lot of excitement as well. And it's not just yours, but it seems like all the writers are very excited about it. Um, so I'd expect the many things to sort of play out in what we've seen so far is turnovers from the defensive unit and then um, high level of execution from the offense. The reason why I asked about turnovers before from the offensive side of the ball is that's the only thing that I could really see slowing Cal down is – that shooting themselves in the foot, being early. It's an early game. It's way before, like, I'm used to college football starting. Yeah. And uh, it's a weird time difference. And things, funny things happen. Northwestern beat Stanford, right? Yeah. Uh, because they had the game at 11 a.m.? Maybe. That was the reason. But you just never know. Like, there's so, I mean, even when Michigan was playing against, was it Appalachian State or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like. You just have no idea at the beginning of the year what your team's going to look like. And so it's hard to say. I, I'm surprised Vegas is so big on it, but you look at Hawaii's numbers and it's like, okay, wow. But new coaching staff, new schemes, somewhat tenured players. Yep. There's no reason not to expect this game to be at least close to start. And then I'd expect Cal to maybe pull away in the second, third, uh, third quarters. Like that's where I'd. I wouldn't be surprised if the game was like 10-7 after the first and we have our usual Cal freakout where everyone's tweeting and like this is like the world's going to come to an end. Ah! And then like second quarter, you put up a 21 spot and it feels a lot more comfortable. Yeah. So I might even bet against Vegas and say that the like I, I think maybe the game would be within about 14 points. And then um, but who knows? Who knows? Do you think we're going to drop 50? Can we go back to using the hashtag? I think we can. I think I think this is if if all goes according to plan, I think we draw fifty. Um, the, I mean, for the people listening, and you know, if you've never been to camp, and you know, we've talked about the hype about Melky Stovall, we've talked about the hype of Demetrius Robertson, we've talked about the hype of Brandon Singleton, um, and you know, that's just to name a few of the wide receivers um, that we have in terms of the offense and the explosion that our offense has, and just how high octane we can go. We can drop fifty. Like that's not a question. It's a question of. All these guys are getting significant snaps uh, for the first time in the college game. And can they work out a repertoire with Davis Webb enough that it works in a game versus a practice setting? Uh, when the lights turn on, when the, when the whistle blows and that kickoff hits, like is, are, the, are the butterflies going to be too big or you know, are they going to settle down and just get to work and will it get done? And so that's it's, – it's a – it's a fine balance because you want a bit of that um, on edge, but you don't want that to take over because then that impairs you from being a very concentrated athlete. Um, so, yeah, I think we can draw 50. I think we can. But as I said, I take it I take it a little bit with a grain of salt just because we are so young 
at some of the key positions. What do you think happens in the game? My expectation for this game is Chase or Ross Bowers plays by the fourth quarter. That's my take. I think they've they've also said that you know they're going to go a little bit vanilla in terms of their schemes. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the offensive side, but I think in terms of the defensive side, they're going to go a little, little vanilla just because they don't know what type of offense they're going to be seeing. So I don't know if that'll create the t- enough turnovers. Um, like you won't see any, you know, disguised blitzes or anything like that. I think that's that comes when you're more comfortable knowing what offense you're facing and what they have, what they're capable of. So I think the adjustments are made at halftime, and then in the third quarter, as you said, it just explodes. But at the same time, our offense has paced, I think, enough over the the first two quarters where we'll be in a, in a pretty easy lead. Do you see any situations in which it could be close or we would be on the, the potential to lose? Yeah, yeah. I see if, if we can't score on our first three drives, it's going to be a long day. Because if you have a 1,000-yard rusher on the other side, regardless of what happens, they're just going to pound the ball. And if they have the ball in their hand, they're pounding it, and we can't get the ball back like we can't turn the ball over then they're just going to eat up clock eat up clock eat up clock and then by the time halftime comes around it might be 7-0 it might be 14-7 like that's and that's something you don't want um at all because you're going to see them gain confidence going into the second half and us going ah crap like what do we do because they probably have tons and tons of tape on us right it's the same coordinators it's mostly the same quarterbacks or the the position players all that um, but from our point of view, we don't we rare we don't have anything. I mean, we I tried to look up some tape on Hawaii last night, couldn't find anything, especially with the new coach coming in. Like we have no idea. Um, but the running back looks pretty good. I mean, it's a thousand yard rusher, as I said. So, oh yeah, that's the only thing. If we can't score within our first handful of drives, oh, it's gonna be a long day, and it's gonna be on edge of the seat, like. Please, please, football gods have favor on us, like that type of day. <laughs> no. Um, and I, I don't think any of us want that. Uh, all right, Andy, what's your hot take for the game? Do you have a hot take? A hot take for the game? Yeah. Uh, I think ultimately... Like a hot, hot take. Dude, my last hot take was terrible, so I gotta be careful. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for those for those keeping track, his hot take was Demetrius Robertson will be redshirted. Um, <laughs> it was a really hot take. <laughs> it was a really, really, I think he burned himself on that hot take. It was that hot. Yeah, I was uh, so nervous. No, I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, fine. Hot take. We'll see a lot. We'll see a lot more runs. Uh, and a lot more of a presence of a running game uh-huh. in this first game and as the season goes on than we're used to in the three years that we've had the Bear Raid. It's going to be much more of a balanced approach, um, and I think we'll have an actual commitment to running the ball, not just to run the ball because we have to to keep the DBs honest. So I expect the potential for maybe 200-yard rushers in this game um, with – Either like the thing about Calfani, he makes it easy. Probably have like a hundred yard run, and it's like easy to have one. And then um, my favorite, you know, Reggie Bush Jr. um, Without all the drama, Trey Watson. Like I think he's, I think he's a stud, and I think he has the ability to. I mean, obviously Vic too, and Vic just brings the the thunder element. So I I expect us to potentially lead with our offense on the ground versus the air. I know we're expecting the air, and we'll have a lot of 
those plays where we'll throw a screen and have the wide receivers block and Stovall or Robertson will and jet out. But yep. I think the running game is going to set the tone for the entire game versus last year where I think more of we always felt like Jared and the pass attack was setting the tone and the running backs were following suit. So it would be cool to see that dynamic change. So that would be the – it's not a very hot take, but that's my sort of – like what I could see as being, oh, like this looks different, you know? Yeah. I think for me, my hot take, Davis Webb breaks the single-game pass yardage record. What? <laughs> yes. That is my hot take. That is my hot take. That Jared set, I believe, uh, in that Are Washington – Cal or all-time? Cal. Cal. Not all time. Not all time. No, no, no. Just want to see uh, how hot we're going. I think the, isn't the all time Luke Falk in that Washington State game? Uh, oh, against us. Yeah, yeah. Or I, either like or Colorado. Yeah, it's either one of those. But <laughs> I think the, the I think the highest for us is Jared's in that Washington State game. I think it was four fifty or something like that, or four twenty five, somewhere around there. It was over four hundred. That's for sure. Um, so, is Hawaii's pass defense that bad? I don't know. I just think our offense is that good. <laughs> <laughs> man, you are hyped. I am hyped. I am very hyped. Um, I'm scared, man. I am scared of the hype. I really am super excited <laughs> by how like positive everyone's coming away from it. I'm just a little worried about our age, like our years of experience. But the thing about our first year under Sunny, where we had you know so many injuries, was we had all those players get a lot of playing time. Yeah. So even our guys that are listed as juniors. They're not like your traditional juniors that have redshirted and then played maybe sparingly and then are now getting the starting spot. It's like they have played three years of college football. So that's the one side of it that makes us like we're a younger team, but we're like more experienced. experienced. Yeah, that's what that's what Sonny said, right? We're um, we're we're surprisingly experienced. I think that's the word he he said is uh, just because we have, as you said, all those juniors, but those guys have played the same as any senior starter you've seen on any other team right it's because of the guys that have left the guys that were ineligible to play um and of course i mean the last the first two years of sunny's uh coaching regime here the injuries oh the injuries left and right so i like your take it's a good take yeah what is what's your prediction for the game then i think we win by 17 I take the over on the spread. I think we win by more than 23 points. Should we put a bet on this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a Bearcast bet. Are we going to put this on the air? We're putting a bet on the air? What are we betting, what are we betting on this? Um, we could do gummy bears. We could right. do a nice Korean dinner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming I have to lose <laughs> for that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. All right. We'll, we'll think of something towards okay. the end. Uh, but, yeah. Those are our predictions for the game. Of course, next week uh, when we return on the podcast, we'll go over the game. We'll go over how it, how it played out, all that good stuff. Um, and then, of course, the preview for San Diego State. Um, but for now, moving on to you know one little bit of uh, interesting, fun stuff thing. Uh, so just about the Hawaii game, just to wrap this up, is a little interesting note. Kind of I Noah, of course, everyone knows, is from uh, Hawaii. And uh, he played at uh, Punahou High School uh, along with Simisi Uluave. Uh, but the f- the cool thing about us playing Hawaii is that a lot of his teammates and a lot of his friends are on that team or f- play- people he played against at a rival high school. Um, his brother 
uh, Kumoko Noah is on that Hawaii team. He's a wide receiver on that Hawaii team. Um, some history about the Noah family. So the, the Noah family's father, Henry, was a tight end for the Rainbow Warriors. Older brothers, uh, Kilinahe, was a linebacker from 01 to 04. Uh, Waikaloa was a defensive back in 06. Both suited up. Cousin um, Kaulana um, suited up also in 96 to 99. And this is all from an article that Ryan Gorsi wrote. This was a, a very, very good piece. If you have the time, go to uh, bearterritory.net bearterritory.net and give uh give a read but it's really cool um yeah so cal's noah in this in this article he quotes by saying i think it's going to be good seeing some of the family and also kumoko on the other side i want to say i want to say five family and a bunch of other people are coming to the game so and this little blurb is really funny when noah originally found out cal would be playing hawaii he didn't get much beyond the first line of the story he said, I was super excited because I thought we were playing them in Hawaii. So it's like, wait, I can't go home? <laughs> but I think it's going to be good, uh, be a good experience down in Sydney, Australia. It'll be fun seeing a lot of friends on the team. Uh, Noah struggled to count just how many friends and acquaintances he'll be playing across from, but comes up with a number, at least 15. He says, there's a lot of island boys on the team. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a little good storyline that you have going there. He's going to be playing against his brother. You know, his his dad played for Hawaii, too. You know, it's crazy. I mean, his entire family basically played for Hawaii, and he made the decision to come play out in California. Again, and so, he was he had an offer from Hawaii, right? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, so I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> really but happy it's a, with that. Yeah, but it's a really cool story, and he's going to – he's definitely going to play. He's Yeah, he – yeah, he will play. He's been amazing uh, the last, like, week and a half. I didn't realize Nick Rolovich went to Marine Catholic. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he uh, went to the same high school as Jared Goff. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Um, on to some basketball news. Uh, recruiting. Ira Lee has released his top five. Yes. And we are on it. Yes. My dream of having a Korean basketball player play at Haas Pavilion is coming true. Is coming true. It's still alive. It's still alive. It's still alive. It's not coming true. It's okay. Com- it's, it's coming it's true. Taken, as, it's, it's coming true as the optimist. <laughs> He's taking a step towards it. All right. I want. I want a reason to be waving a Korean flag at Haas Pavilion, and I really is going to give me that. Um, granted, you tickets yet? I have not, because most likely I will be covering those home games. Nice. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. All right. That uh. That wraps up our podcast. There's uh, one thing I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, what do was, we want to uh, Drew's out for the year. That is correct. That is correct. Damari Drew um, has now uh, – we thought he might come back for a sixth year of eligibility, but he's no longer doing that. He is going to prep himself to for the NFL. Oh, really? That is what Sonny said. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so he's, he's done. He's going to start prepping to become a pro. And What was the official injury? ACL? I think it was. No. Uh, it was a knee. I just don't know if it was an ACL or an MCL. But it's sad. It's sad. I mean, he, everyone had such high hopes for him when he came back. And um, it just didn't pan out. But, yeah, I think someone will give him a shot in the NFL. He has the athletic ability to do so. All right. And the other thing would be our hard knocks. Yes. We got to get up on it, but I'll leave you with a little story. Yes. Um, it's been it's been good. It's been, it's been what, good. three episodes? 
two, two. I think the third is on this Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah. for those that don't know, Hard Knocks is an NFL films uh, on HBO. It it covers an NFL team, I think, throughout like half the season usually. Um, and it just so happened this year, it's the LA Rams. I think the allure of it was that they were going for the new team in LA. Um, and it just so happened that they had the number one pick and they took Jared. So. It's also a fun fact that the teams don't have a say in the matter. Yeah. Uh, that if you haven't done it or you and then you like there's a clause where if you have a new head coach you don't have to do it uh, i think or something like that but then oh uh, then there's like eight teams every year that just gets selected and they have to deal with yeah. it yeah <laughs> it's so funny um but there's been a lot of jared goff coverage a lot and so it's been fun to watch and it's also been uh, entertaining to see him at that next level and what he's been kind of like how he's been holding himself yeah Without spoiling too much of it, um, there's this one part where he pulls Kenny Britt aside to practice the fade. And he's like, all right, let's just do, I think they were talking about maybe like five or ten. And so they're doing it, doing it, doing it, and it's just not clicking. And so they show like 17 straight reps where Jared's just like, again, 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 again. And then on the last one, uh, he throws like a perfect ball and they nail it and they're like, all right, break. So then the, they go back to practice and they're holding practice and they have like this situational, you know, uh, last, like they're doing the last drive of the game, driving down the field, they get it down. And what play do they run? Run the fade. The exact play, the exact fade. And Jared nails it in between two defenders and Jeff Fisher and every coach on the team just goes, that was a damn good ball. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we saw that one a lot. Yeah. And that was, uh, it was really cool. I don't know if you got to watch the Rams game last night, um, but I got to watch the third and fourth quarter. Towards the end, Jared's on the game-winning touchdown drive, you know, with about, you know, uh, I think it was about like eight minutes left to play in the fourth quarter. He gets to like the five-yard line, and it's just, oh, okay, this is this is perfect fade distance. This is perfect fade distance. And I'm I'm – I'm praying, I'm praying, please let it be a fade, please let it be a fade. But no, no. Malcolm Brown, a Texas running back, all right, runs out into the flat. Jared throws it to him. He hauls it in, and he runs it in. Touchdown. That's Jared's first NFL touchdown. But the crazier part was... I thought you were going to say something worse happened than that. Well, I guess the the worst part about it was that the, the whole touchdown that catch and run everyone was more focused on the catch because the catch was he was running in the flat so he's running towards the the close pylon and his body is faced towards the sideline jared throws the ball behind him and he he bobbles it with one hand but reels it in with his backhand and then as he's doing it he turns his uh inside shoulder like around so he does like a little 180 and then he runs into the end zone sick so it was a crazy catch so that's what kind of took away from the fact that Jared threw his first NFL touchdown was that the catch was just that was incredible. That's okay. Um, I mean, preseason doesn't count anyways. Yeah, but to a Texas running back, so it's kind of like, <laughs> dang it, come on, come on, anyone, any, any, anybody else, anybody else, anybody else on that team? But no, we got to throw it to the Texas running back. Ugh, I can't Ugh. wait. It's 
gonna be fun just being up in the booth. And now, now because of my knee, it's like I'm definitely gonna be hanging out in the booth. <laughs> I can't sit on those uncomfortable bleachers and put my air leg conditioned out. Yeah. out of the sun. We're gonna be having a blast. We're gonna be having a blast. So tell me this. You know, there's Gorsi told me when I was up there for my first time last year that um, there's no cheering allowed in the press box. There is no cheering allowed in the press box. <laughs> you know how many times I broke that rule? Yeah. <laughs> so, are other people going to be cheering up there? No. Yeah, right. You are not allowed to be cheering in the media box. The media box is, is made you to don't be cheer. neutral. This is my first year in the media box as well. So did you go up last year? I did not. I did not go up last uh, year. Good luck. Um, good but luck. yeah, I know. I know. You, when the plays happen, like it is your natural reaction to react to it in a positive way. <laughs> you might not be high fiving, but you're gonna be like, like every long pass, I would start to stand. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, as long yeah. as you're not making any noise, I think it's it's all right. It's it's like. like you know, do like a yeah. If you do like a fist bump and or a fist pump and things like that, like you know, no one's gonna say anything to you. Versus if you're, yeah, <laughs> you know, amidst amidst like all those ESPN and Comcast and all those guys, all those writers there. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> but I think I think people. I mean, our our line of writers that'll be you know pretty much sitting next together will be Gorsi, you, me, um, and then the two rivals guys. Um, and you know, Grace and Eugene. yeah, and we'll we'll give each other like a high five, you know, about the wins or about the the touchdowns and stuff. And I don't think anyone's gonna give us too much crap about it. But it, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting time. Those SB Nation guys. <laughs> those those two <laughs> SB Nation guys. Those two Golden Blogs. Dang Navit. Those two Golden Blogs guys. Oh, but yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a blast. I mean, I can't believe how long we have to wait to see the first game in person. September seventeenth. Like it. Oh my. Pretty much a month. Yeah. You know I what? might be able to walk by then. Let's hope so. Yeah. Let's hope so. Otherwise, I don't mind pushing you in on a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, if it'll get us through faster, I'm fine with that. If it gets us field passes, <laughs> why not? Um, I'll end with this note about that Texas game. I talked to Vic and Weary on Friday, and I wrote this in my practice report. Um, and if he didn't get a chance to read that's fine. Uh, but I asked him about, you know, what it feels like to be going to Australia, how the mentality changes, how the... Uh, the practice schedule, because it's weird, because they go to Australia. This They left yesterday. They come back after the game on Sunday. Uh, so the game's on Saturday, and they come back on Sunday. Then they have two weeks before they have to go down to San Diego and play. And I asked him how the preparation changes. He's like, actually, it's nicer. And there is the train. Um, he actually said it's nicer, because the first thing is... You get to come back from overseas and you get about a week to get adjusted back to the And that's definitely helpful. Um, wow, that train really is loud. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> <So>. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got so lucky that we only had one this yeah. whole time. I'm shocked. That was the longest period of silence I've ever <laughs> had. <laughs> uh, but the, the final part of that question I asked was, how, how does it feel to have Texas as your first home game? You know, I know you're you're from Texas. I know how much that game meant to you when you went to Texas last year, and how does it how does it make you feel that that's actually the first home game here? And you know, um, I love this. He said uh, he said he has a calendar on his desk above his desk, and he circles every single Cal game, every single uh, game football game on the schedule that date. September seventeenth, he said is is circled a bunch of times, more than once has stars and asterisks next to it. He said it, it, no matter what, like as much as he wants to consider it just a normal game, 
he can't it, it holds a special spot to him and it gives him some bragging rights and things like that when they when he beats them and plays them uh to his friends back home um so i saw that and i saw the little twinkle in his eye too and i went okay yeah he's he's definitely excited uh to have this back here versus that burnt orange crowd that he played against last season so it's gonna be a lot of fun did it sell out yet I don't know if it has, but I do know I do know that there is a very, very large Texas contingent or contingent that'll be at the game. Um, I don't think it'll be as big as like when USC or like UCLA comes to play here because that those that those Ohio groups are, State. Yeah, it was oh my god that, that was a home game. Oh though. my goodness, that Ohio State game. Oh lord, oh lord. that even even you remember our freshman year uh, the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. There was quite a be, quite a bit of Tennessee fans. I did not realize like. <laughs> there were that many twen- Tennessee fans. You got to um, remember, this is a trip out to California. People are like, oh, this is a vacation. <laughs> you know, time to come out to beautiful West Coast. Yeah. 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 What is it? Next year we play Auburn. I think we play UNC next season or the season after as well. I thought Auburn got pushed. Oh, did we get pushed? I think the series got moved to a later, like to the 2020s. Uh, yeah. All right. Well. I could be wrong on that, but I, I'm pretty sure. I yeah, yeah. I think that. I read that too. Yeah. But I mean, we can worry about That'd that schedule awesome. when we get there. Yeah, I've been really close to Alabama, but I've never been in Alabama. The Iron Bowl is on my bucket list of things to go to in terms of sports. Like a a game at the Big House is one. Uh, a game at Notre Dame is one. And then um, I think the Iron Bowl is definitely one of those. And did you go to the Ohio State game when we played them? Yes, at Ohio State. Oh, I didn't go to the I didn't uh, go to Ohio State. I. I furiously broke a remote at home yeah. because of three missed field goals. <laughs> yeah. But I ecstatically jumped for joy once I saw Brendan Bigelow broke up, break out those two runs as well. So, Still one of the best runs I've ever seen. But that then I also, I also cried on, a little bit on the inside when, uh, what's his face? Uh, Maynard. Braxton, no, Bra- Braxton Miller trucked one of our safeties uh, for, the, for the first down. Uh, yeah. Probably could do. Probably could do. Probably could do. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Um, from here, we will be back next week, same time, same place, with football, with with football to talk about, with actual stats of football to talk about. We, I don't know. Will we be? I hope we're really happy. I hope we are. Either way. Either way. We'll be happy-ish. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be happy. Football's back. Other otherwise, unless yeah. I mean, the worst the worst possible week is for me is if my draft on Monday goes totally awry, um, <laughs> and then we lose on Friday as well. Wait, so you're drafted tomorrow? Yeah, I'm drafting tomorrow. Any hot picks? Hot takes? Well, <sighs> Dion Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Personally, uh, some of my like lower range picks. Um, you know, I think. I think Russell Wilson is actually going to have an outstanding year this year. I think the offense is going to be more based around him because you don't have Marshawn behind you anymore. I had Doug Baldwin last year. He was incredible. Yeah, I don't think Doug Baldwin is going to replicate that. I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a bigger part of that offense than people think. I think he's being drafted way too low. Um, He was so bad last year, though. He was. He was really bad, but he just didn't get integrated with that team. So, yeah, I mean, I have the number seven pick. And, oh, you uh, still do a snake draft? Yeah, yeah. We don't do auction. Oh my gosh, we're we're yeah. old school. Yeah, we're we're old school. Really old. Yeah, yeah. convert that good life. Yeah. <laughs> auction is so nice. I'm actually not excited at all for fantasy football to start. I'm in the middle of fantasy baseball right now, and it is by far my favorite. 
it's so weird that that's taking place because I was so anti, like, too long, too much. I it's a daily thing. I religiously check fantasy yeah. baseball. Baseball yeah. and basketball are the two that are, like, it takes up every single, like, day. Yeah. at least an hour of your day every day. But if you can get into it. <sighs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I played one year, and I said, I want to play again, but I don't want to play again. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps it up for us. Um, And as always, go Bears. Go Bears.